Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Norse traditions. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. A warning, this episode features some violent content. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, we're beginning the story of Loki and Iduna's apples. That is to say, the apples are Iduna's, but the story is Loki's. The original tale comes from the Prose Edda and the 9th to 10th century skaldic poem known as Haustlong or Autumnlong. The former was written by the awkwardly named Icelandic poet Snorri Sturluson, and the latter has been attributed to the Norwegian poet Thjodolfur of Vinyr. Iduna, or Idun, as she was originally known, was the ancient Norse goddess of eternal youth and wife of Bragi, god of poetry, who's sometimes referred to as Odin's son. But beyond that, we don't know a lot about her. One of the main references to her comes from a scene in the poetic Edda in which Loki disparages her, but as the god of mischief, he can't exactly be trusted. Was she actually as airheaded and promiscuous as Loki suggests, or was he just being his usual trickster self? For the answers to those questions, look forward to next week's episode when Iduna finally makes her appearance in this tale. Today, we start with one of the most complicated relationships in all of Norse mythology, the one between Loki and Odin. The various stories of the Eddas are often contradictory, so it's up to us storytellers to bridge the gaps in the histories of these mythological figures. Rest assured, we've tried to keep the story in line with what we know of the deities. And so to begin, we find Loki seducing a goddess. But first, Odin seeks even more wisdom. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new Moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money Maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. 
Ever since he had returned from wandering Midgard, Odin had been behaving strangely. He sat on his throne, unmoving, contemplating. He still had the look of a wanderer, long white beard, pointed hat, and a tattered cloak, which he pulled around him tightly. His ravens, Hugin and Munin, circled around his head. Their droppings splattered against the floor. Soon, the throne was caked in white. Odin's beard grew even longer. His nails began to grow into and blend with his oaken chair. He did not stir. The other gods of Asgard reacted in different ways. Odin's wife, Frigg, did not trouble herself over the matter. She had warned him not to go wandering the life tree in search of wisdom. She knew it would only lead to trouble. He had dug his own grave as far as she was concerned. But Odin's sons were always seeking their father's approval, and so it bothered them that he was in no position to give it. Thor, in particular, made daily visits to the throne room. He would wave his hand in front of Odin's face, trying to get him to rise. All he got for his troubles was some bird poop to the face. However, the God of Thunder need only have waited. For after nine human days and nine human nights, which is actually quite a while in Asgard, Odin's eyes shot open. His creaking joints twisted themselves free of the crusted throne. All who were present in the hall looked up with wonder. Thor delighted to see his father reanimated. Papa, I am so glad to see you. Ugh, can't a god sleep in peace? Then, before anyone knew what was happening, Odin reached up to his face. He scooped his thumb beneath his bottom left eyelid and dug his pointer finger under the top one. With one quick movement, he pulled out his eye. Ravens, take this to the sisters at the top of the world tree. Give them my thanks. By all that is good in Asgard, no! Do not disfigure yourself thus, father. I cannot bear it. Oh, Thor, I'm sure you'll find some maiden or adventure that'll make you forget all about it in a day or two. As Odin trod the steps from his throne down to the hall floor, his appearance changed. His tattered, stained cloak was gone in a flourish of gold sparks, replaced by his traditional golden armor. His hat disappeared too. He kept the beard, though now it was clean and groomed, and over his missing eye appeared a black leather eye patch. Sons, daughters, brothers and sisters, servants and honored heroes, I have made another sacrifice to myself, and with it, I have gleaned yet more wisdom. A sacrifice to yourself? Papa, I'm confused. Tis the natural state of things, my son. You are as brave and oafish as Baldur is beautiful, and as Loki is clever. Loki? You insult me speaking that fool's name in the same sentence as mine. It should not offend you to hear the truth, Thor. You may not be all things, but one should be grateful for what they are, for what they do have, for that is enough. You are enough. Why, thank you, father. I have exciting news. During my slumber, I learned of a great threat to all of us. We are all doomed. 
Papa, surely this is not something to be excited about. Tell us of Asgard's enemies, and I will lead my brothers into battle. We will smite all who oppose us. Perhaps one day, but unfortunately for you, this threat does not require the skill set of the God of Thunder. But I thought you said I was enough. Hmm? Oh, that was more of a rhetorical you. In this case, you are most definitely not enough. I need... Loki. What? Thor's self-conscious bellowing shook Valhalla, sending tremors out into the rest of Asgard. Across the field of heroes, on the bank of the river Kormt, another god was busy wooing the goddess Fula. He barely noticed the sound that echoed like thunder across the land. When Fula's attention was drawn, he reached out to grab her chin, turning her attention back to him. Lovely Fula, I would not spend one second not peering into your clear blue eyes. Surely you would grant me the honor of your bedchamber so that we might cement our love, and I would know that I might never have to look away again. She was not quite convinced. As Queen Frigg's most loyal handmaiden, she knew it was unlikely that she would be granted leave to marry one so notorious as Loki, the god of mischief. But before she could answer, a golden light shot out from above the distant palace of Valhalla, streaking across the sky toward them. Oh joy, a messenger. The light continued, hurtling toward them like a meteor. As it came closer, Loki and Fula saw that it was, in fact, the furious flying god of thunder. Thor crashed to the ground between them and grabbed Loki by the collar. Uncle, father summons you. Ah, well, how unfortunate then that I am otherwise occupied. It wasn't an optional summons. And with that, Thor shot back up into the sky, dragging Loki behind him. Thor flew back into the hall, where all the gods and goddesses continued to vie for Odin's attention. Thor tossed Loki at Odin's feet, not wanting to allow the trickster any more dignity than he had to. Loki got up and dusted himself off. He shot one last angry backward glance at Thor before turning to face the king. He forced a saccharine smile. Shield, brother. Tis wonderful to see you after so long. We haven't dined together since, what, two summers ago? It has been 230 summers, Loki, but it is of no matter. Time is an illusion. Is he all right? Silence, you fool. Thor, long has it been since I dined on that which gives us our longevity. Fetch me the precious fruit. Thor complied, nodding curtly, and flying back out of the hall. Ah, I thought you looked a bit worn around the edges. I'm surprised that you would go so long without one of Iduna's apples. There has been much to consider. Oh? What could be more precious than maintaining your immortality? Surely that gift is the root of all Aesir vanity. 
You will not rile me, Loki. Nor will you trick me into revealing my plans. Wisdom can be dangerous in the wrong hands. Just then, Thor returned. From beneath his cloak, he pulled a golden, glittering apple. Its brilliance instantly captivated everyone in the hall. Even Loki forgot himself. He eyed the apple hungrily, his black eyes widening. Thor slowly walked over to the king, bowing and offering the apple. Tis a beautiful thing, I must admit, no matter how many times I have seen it. Odin confidently picked up the fruit and lifted it to his lips. He took several large, aggressive bites, sending juice dripping into his beard. When he was finished, he tossed the core aside and wiped his mouth. As the gods looked on, Odin's wrinkles faded before their eyes. Within moments, he was returned to his former youthful self. All but Loki bowed in reverence. The juice of the mythical apple had coursed through his veins, filling him with renewed vigor. It ensured that he would live another hundred years. Now then, Loki, shall we be off? Oh, but uh, where might we be headed, dear Odin? To Jotunheim, your homeland. Come, I'll explain on the way. And with that, the God King strode across the hall, Loki had many questions, but knew that ultimately he had no choice but to follow. Even still, Loki's mind was already working on a new scheme. He didn't know how just yet, but he would get to the bottom of Odin's strange behavior, and he would turn it to his advantage. Next, Loki and Odin begin their latest adventure. Listeners, I am thrilled to tell you that this month marks a huge milestone for ParCast. It's the four-year anniversary of another fantastic podcast I host called Serial Killers. If you haven't had a chance to dive into the stories and psychology behind the most nightmarish murderers of all time, there's no better time than right now to start listening. Each week, we enter the minds, the methods, and the madness of the world's most sadistic serial killers. From the son of Sam, David Berkowitz and the co-ed killer Edmund Kemper to Eileen Wardos, Ed Gein, and coming soon, the Night Stalker Richard Ramirez. And this February, look out for our four-part special on couples who kill, following the worst love has to offer. Their names may sound ordinary, but their atrocities are anything but. Trust me, you do not want to miss it. With hundreds of episodes available to binge and new ones released weekly, get to know the killers, crimes, and cases that forever changed the face of history. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Serial Killers. New episodes air every Monday and Thursday, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Now back to the story. O 
Odin had summoned Loki to Valhalla after a long period of contemplation. He demanded that Loki come with him on an adventure, though he would not share its purpose. They strode out through the green fields of Asgard, past the rivers Kormt and Ormt, and over the Bifrost. Heimdall barely said a word. Two gods crossing his bridge was hardly the most interesting thing to watch in all the world tree at the moment. Loki never much cared for the twisting, turning, blinding path of the Bifrost. It always left him feeling nauseous on the other end. When he recovered from the trip, he looked up and was annoyed to find that this was much worse than he thought. They weren't in Jotunheim, the icy, pristine world of his forefathers. No, they were in Midgard, overly sunny, smelly, humid Midgard. Shield brother, you lied to me. Just because you're the god of mischief doesn't mean you're the only one who gets to bend the truth. I will not be carted around like this. I am going home. But as he turned around to walk back across the Bifrost, he found that the way was barred to him. He ran face first into an invisible portal. He waved angrily at the heavens, trying to get Heimdall to notice him, but it was no use. It's my world tree. I decide when you can travel back across it. Well, where are we anyway? All I smell is salt and fish excrement. He looked around, realizing for the first time that they were on a boat. It was dark, save for the plumes of orange flame that dotted the horizon. Odin had transformed back into his wanderer visage, though he had left Loki as he was. That day, Loki was wearing his true face, a handsome but strange countenance. Loki's eyes were green, his skin light gray, his brow curved down and forward, becoming his nose, the tip of which was flat, the nostrils curved almost like a bull's. I suppose I shouldn't be surprised to see you here, old man. Loki turned to see a mortal woman, somewhat along in years, smiling at the sight of Odin. She wore long, golden braids atop impressive layers of fur and armor. Tira, you're an old woman. And you're not a day older than when I last saw you. Who's your friend? Is he a dark elf? Or a Jotun? Oh, uh, we're not really sure. His parents were supposedly giants, but he obviously came out a bit, uh, well, uh, you can call him the Trickster. Trickster, this is Tira. We once traveled together on a quest. Loki just stood there, but Odin grabbed his arm and made him clasp hands with the mortal. He wiped the grease off on his cloak. It's actually Sigrid now. Queen Sigrid. Oh, but of course. You've been a busy woman since we last met. That's why we're here, in fact, to pay homage. You appear on the night after my final conquest on my boat in the middle of the sea. And I'm just to accept this at face value? I know you have far too much wisdom for that. But I hope you'd trust that we mean you no harm. The grizzled old woman considered. Very well, Wanderer. We'll keep you and your strange companion aboard. We travel for Stockholm, and my coronation 
as Empress. She turned, and only then did Loki notice that in the darkness behind her were a hundred Viking warriors of all kinds. Men, women, giants, and elves. Who was this woman, and why did Odin bring him to meet her? Their ship cut across the cold blue ocean, crashing through wave after wave. As the sun began to rise, Loki realized they were surrounded by a fleet of at least a hundred more. Loki grew bored of the travel and the sea smell. Oh, Odin, won't you share just a hint of your infinite wisdom so that I might serve you better, my noble king? Loki! I have known you for eons. Stop with the affected speech, would you? All right then. What in the Nine Realms is going on? First, you sit covered in bird poop for half an age, then you wake up and rip out your eye. Then you bring me here and reveal you've been making friends with... mortals. While I was away, I learned many things. Yes, yes, your precious wisdom. A lot of good that's done us all. It's not about doing good. At least not as you see it. Not about earning Asgard more gold or other treasures. Not about feats of strength. Those things are all just a means to an end. What end? Odin grew very sad. He closed his one eye and breathed in the salt air. That's what I'm trying to figure out. In my travels, I met many people, mortal and otherwise. They showed me how how things really are. I was also granted visions of how things, well, how things will be, or maybe it's better to say how things often are. I want this go around to be different. Oh, you're making so much more sense now. It's not for you to know. I've earned the right to keep my own counsel, haven't I? If you want the secrets of the universe, then you go wander. Go impale yourself and rip out your eye. You impaled yourself. Odin was saved from having to explain further by the sudden sounding of a hundred horns across the bay. For a moment, Loki worried they were under attack. But up ahead, the marine layer was broken by the peak of a majestic castle, followed by the rooftops of a hundred other impressive buildings. They had arrived at the Empress's new capital. It had been a long time since Loki had been to Midgard. When he was last here, it was a lot of mud huts and longhouses made out of boats. This was no Valhalla, but it came closer than he thought mortals were ever capable of. As they disembarked, he was witness to the flurry of action around the docks. There were more beings than he'd ever seen together in one place, as diverse as the Empress's army, buying and selling all manner of seafood, fabrics, and precious gems. Impressive, is it not? It's fine. I still don't get why you brought me here. To start, I wanted you to see how much these people the humblest of inhabitants of the World Tree have accomplished. It's easy to dismiss mortals while you sit in Asgard. You're trying to tell me that. Why not teach this lesson to your lunatic sons? Because they are not wise enough to accept it. 
Loki had not expected this tacit compliment, but he figured Odin was just trying to butter him up for whatever scheme he had planned. True, Loki had shown a certain disregard for mortal life, but as he mentioned, so had many of the gods. Odin and Loki joined the procession leading from the boat to the palace. They saw one city street after another lined with adoring mortals. They cheered for their empress, throwing flowers and other gifts. Loki flinched as he caught a face full of rice. What did this woman do anyway? Slay a troll? Kill all the mortals on the next patch of land over? Much more than that, Loki. She is the first human to unite all the North. Sweden, Norway, Iceland, more. She overthrew tyrants, allowed women like herself to hold lands, forged peace between the humans and the other races. I thought you generally frowned on that sort of thing. I used to. I thought everyone would be safer if each race kept to its own realm. Tira proved me wrong. You've forbidden the Aesir from coming here alone for years. What? You're just going to let the gods start interacting with mortals again. What do you think we're doing now? He had Loki there. Odin's logic was unexpected, but made sense in a way that frustrated the god of mischief. And again, he was suspicious of yet another tacit compliment. Odin had chosen him as the first of the gods to visit Midgard and begin this new policy. The procession eventually found its way up the many steps that led to the palace. It was really more of an exceptionally elaborate mead hall. Curved eaves and shields adored the exterior walls, giving it that old Viking feeling. At the massive door to the palace, the procession stopped. The empress and her many generals gathered at the top of the steps. Odin and Loki stood off to one side. One of her stewards came forward and declared that she would be Tira of Midgard no longer, but Sigrid the Victorious, Empress of Scandinavia. As the sun set, the festivities began. The palace was packed with all manner of celebrants. Long tables were heaped with food from all over the new empire. Loki did not partake. He never found Midgard food a rival for that of Asgard. He briefly tried to entertain himself by listening to gossip and scheming to bring about this new empire's downfall. But his heart wasn't in it. Meddling in the affairs of mortals felt very old hat. Just as he was about to return to his seat of honor next to Odin, someone in the crowd caught his eye. It was a giant. A rather large one, in fact, with dark gray skin like Loki's, but a much uglier face. And then in the blink of an eye, the giant was gone. Loki looked around, but there was no sign of him. He had looked familiar. Maybe Loki knew him, but the god of mischief shrugged it off. One giant couldn't possibly be of much concern. Enjoying the party? Loki turned to see Odin approaching him. They stood on a balcony outside the palace. Several braziers kept them warm, with the smell of the cattle roasting over them providing a pleasant odor. The moon illuminated the islands that dotted the sea around Stockholm. It was a lovely sight. It is a trifle. 
There is nothing here to rival the revels of Asgard. You don't have to put on the show for me. I don't like this feigned familiarity. However close we might have been once in the past millennia, you have always sided with the other gods against me. That is something for which I do have some regret. They don't understand you. I didn't understand you. Which is actually why I wanted you to meet the Empress. Wait, you don't wish us to marry, do you? No! On my honor! I would never do that to her. Oh, how humorous. Why introduce us then? When I first met that mortal, she was a barmaid in the employ of a criminal. I helped her commit a theft, and with a little wisdom, she went on to use her clandestine skills to bring this region more peace and prosperity than it has ever known. So that's it. You want the credit for all this. You're showing off. No! Loki, why must you be so... <sighs> I suppose it is your nature. I am the creator. You are the trickster who questions. I can't fault you for that. But no, I am showing you all of this because I hoped you might see how even a trickster or a thief might use their nature to benefit others. Loki was becoming increasingly unsure of how to take all of this. Was it possible that Odin truly had no ulterior motive? What had he learned? What wisdom had he gained that made him so much more understanding? You said that just as you are the creator, so I am the trickster. What did you mean by that? On the surface, it is plain, but I sense a double meaning. A most wise deduction. Most forget, or choose not to dwell, but you and I are both born of giants, and yet we are not giants. I sense meaning in this. I believe that just as Muspelheim and Niflheim are counterparts, so too might we be reflections of one another, fire and ice. Ah, but of course, we are already sworn shield brothers. I am talking about something more than that. <laughs> you wish you were as clever and handsome as I. <laughs> that I do. Odin was neither pleased with himself nor upset. His wisdom simply gave him calm. Calm that he had done what he could this time to try and get through to Loki. And Loki was moved, though he would never admit it. He didn't like this feeling. He wanted a distraction. And so he turned and saw one of the cows being cooked over a brazier. He thought he might as well get something to eat. Next, Loki gets more than he bargains for when he samples the local cuisine. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Now back to the story. Odin the Wise had taken his mischievous shield brother Loki to Midgard in the hopes of getting him to turn over a new leaf. After a heart-to-heart, -heart, Loki was actually starting to see things Odin's way. 
But this embarrassed him, and so he left his shield brother's side and went to sample some of the Empress's finest meat. He hadn't eaten since Asgard, after all. As he approached the spit, he reached out a hand to strip off some of the meat, but his hand recoiled. It was cold, raw even. Ugh, did these mortals not even know how to cook a steak? He grabbed the spit and twisted it around rapidly to get the meat to cook more evenly. He even cast a subtle spell to make the flames rise higher. Once again, he reached out to tear off a piece of the meat, but it was still cold. Is this some trick? Loki turned and snarled at his shield brother, but Odin was not there. He'd gone for an audience with the Empress. Canst thou not cook thy food? Loki turned to see an eagle perched on the balcony's edge. Midgard has talking eagles now too, but a thoroughly annoying place. I will cook it for thee, if thou wilt give me a share. Well, go on then. Loki stepped aside. The eagle almost seemed to smile. Then it flew down and hovered over the spit. It beat its wings, creating a strong breeze that fed the flame. The fire grew, and soon it surrounded the meat, magically cooking it to the perfect temperature. The skin glistened brown and black, crackling, ready to be consumed. But before Loki could reach out and finally take a piece, the eagle struck. It devoured the meat, quickly tearing and swallowing every last morsel. Where once there was a beautiful, glistening flank, now there was only an empty spit. Loki was filled with rage. What was wrong with this eagle? Why offer to help if it was only going to cheat him? It could have had its fill of any of the other spits. It seemed a deliberate act of cruelty. It reminded him of the arrogance and cruelty of the gods of Asgard. Without thinking, Loki reached for the spit. He removed it from its housing and brought it down on the eagle's breast. Take this, you stupid beast. But it did not produce the result Loki was expecting. Instead, a loud metal clanging was heard, and the spit became affixed to the eagle's back. Before he could let go of the spit, Loki was yanked into the air as the eagle took off for the skies above Midgard. Release me at once, you demon! What are you? <laughs> Loki, friend Loki, I have thee at last. It was thou who didst cheat my brother Gonger of his reward for building the wall around Asgard. But Loki, know now that Tiasi the giant has captured thee. Oh, Loki, most cunning of the dwellers in Asgard. Tiasi, I thought you were dead. Oh, but you saw me amongst the rabble at the party. I know it. The eagle, of course, was right. He was really the giant Tiasi in disguise. He'd been following Loki all night and had laid this trap for him. This made Loki furious. This brute had out-tricked the trickster. 
Loki wanted to smite him here and now, but a look down at the freezing ocean below convinced him to try a different tactic. That thing with your brother, total misunderstanding. I wanted to pay him. Odin's the cheap one. Silence! All know that you are the wicked, cunning heart at the center of Asgard. The greatest misdeeds of the Aesir can all be laid at your feet. That's very flattering. You're not wrong, but still, surely we can work something out. <laughs> oh, God of mischief, we will indeed, for I have a most special request for you. By this point, they'd flown so high that they weren't even in Midgard anymore. They had breached the world barrier, finding themselves amongst the branches of Yggdrasil, the world tree. Loki was impressed. Before he could think of what to do, Tiasi flew to a particularly tangled clump of branches in the tree. Without notice, he released Loki. What was your request? I'll honor it! Don't let me die! As Loki fell, he saw the brown-green branches rise up to greet him. He landed with a spectacular smack. But he did not die. It takes more than that to kill a god. And this was not Tiasi's intention. Foolish god, wouldst thou leave thy wooden prison and return to thine home in Asgard? That sounds pleasing to thou, yes. Thou mayst leave it when thou showest thyself ready to pay thy ransom to me. Thou wilt have to get me the shining apples that Iduna keeps in her basket. <laughs> that is just not going to happen. She never leaves them. I don't even have pockets in this tunic. If you know who I am, you know my shield brother Odin was at the party as well. Why not kidnap him? He is the king of the gods. Imagine the ransom you might receive. Silence! I would bring all of Asgard down upon me. No one will come looking for you. Besides, Odin is most fearsome. It is said he ripped out his own eye. There must be some way, O oh cunning Loki, that you might steal the apples. Well, Iduna, ironically, is not the crunchiest apple in the bunch, if thou catchest my meaning. Make her go beyond the wall of Asgard. If she steps outside that wall, I shall get the apples from her. Swear by the World Tree that thou wilt lure Iduna beyond the wall of Asgard. Swear it, Loki, and I shall let thee go. Loki was conflicted. He had just experienced an extremely cathartic moment with his ancient shield brother, but he could not bear to be trapped here for centuries or more. Would anyone come looking for him? Perhaps Odin, but perhaps not. Could he really expect that his shield brother had changed so much? I swear it by Yggdrasil, the world tree, that I will lure Iduna beyond the wall of Asgard if thou wilt take me off this accursed tree. 
If Tiasi did not have a beak at the moment, he would have smiled, for he had gotten exactly what he wanted. Loki had been on a path to redemption, but now that path was not so clear. He was willing to betray his shield brother and all the Aesir to free himself. Iduna's apples were their greatest treasure, the fruit that kept them young forever. If the giants got their hands on those apples, they would finally be strong enough to challenge the gods. By helping Tiasi, Loki wasn't just betraying the Aesir, he was potentially dooming them all. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. Join us as Loki sets out on his most troublesome scheme yet and shows why he is the god of mischief. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every Wednesday we dive into another dark, classic tale. See you next week for the conclusion of this epic story. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythology was written by Greg Castro, with writing assistance by Andrew Kelleher, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Tiana Camacho, Joe Hernandez, Eddie Lee, and Alastair Murden. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Listeners, don't forget to check out the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. Every Monday and Thursday, take a deep dive into the minds and madness of history's most notorious murderers. You can binge hundreds of episodes, four years worth, and catch new episodes weekly. Listen to Serial Killers free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.